Let's open our Bibles once again to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. There is a marvelous checklist in this fifth chapter of uh, 1 Thessalonians. It's one of the finest things that God has ever put in His Word. It's an exhortation from the Apostle Paul. He starts out in verse 12, for your information. We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, not for their personality's sake, but for the calling that's upon them, for the work's sake. Praise the Lord. And be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesyings. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, that's quite a checklist, isn't it? I'll tell you what, if you'll, if you'll check yourself out in these areas regularly, you will keep yourself walking in line with the Lord. That's what that checklist is there for. Now, we began studying spirit and soul and body according to this scripture. If you'll remember, back weeks ago when we started studying this, I made this statement to you the very first night that we started studying the spirit of man. I told you that your spirit and your soul were not one in the same. There, your spirit and your soul is no more the same than your body and your soul are the same or any more than your body and your spirit are the same. Your soul and your spirit are not one and the same. Now they are so closely related in their nature that men mix them up. Psychology has great trouble in this area. The reason they have such limited... Uh, success with a person. They can get some things done in psychoanalyzation, psycho, uh, psychology, and other operations of the mind can get certain things done because there is a certain amount of power in the mind and it's called willpower. Even mental religions have a certain amount of results, but it's not spiritual results. And if you don't know the Word of God, you will never be able to know the difference between the spirit and the soul. They are closely related. Their nature is a whole lot the same. They, they're, the personality of the soul and the personality of the spirit operate and function and respond a great deal like one another. Why? Because they're both in, created in the image of God. That soulish part of a man operates a great deal like the spirit of the man. The soulish world was created by God. It was created for a man to operate in and live in, work in, in this earth. And it operates very much akin to the way God's world operates. And He is a spirit. And those that worship Him, worship Him in spirit and in truth. But our psychological surrounding was originally created to operate like His spiritual surrounding. And put us in an area and an environment that is almost a carbon copy of His. But then there was a spiritual outlaw released in the suke world. Satan does not operate in the world of the Spirit. He has been outlawed from that world. His, he was ran out of that world. He was run out of that world by the Holy Spirit Himself. 
He does not operate there. He operates in the suke, the soulish world. That's the Greek word for soul. We get our word psychology from it. We get our word psychoanalyzation from it or psychoanalyst from it. Does that sound familiar? Where do these things deal? They deal with the mind, the emotions, and the will of men. But now Satan, you see, gets in this, this suke, soulish world and imitates God there. He tries to act like God. That's what he said he would do, didn't he? He said, I'll be like the Most High. And he begins to function in that world, counterfeiting the real thing. And if he can sell you the counterfeit, if you'll buy the counterfeit of the real thing, you'll never get any results with that. And most of that, you can frame it with one word, religion. Religion counterfeits the real thing. Now, you can make a religion out of nearly anything and make it look good. Do you know that? You can make a religion out of baking a pie every Thursday afternoon at 4 o'clock. If you do it religiously and always give it to some poor widow, you can build your doctrine on that. Do you know it? You can get your pie doctrine going. <laughs> and you can just be so religious about it that that's just something you have to do every Thursday at that particular time. See, Well, now, you know good and well that heaven doesn't have anything to do with that. They can care less whether you bake a pie or not. Isn't that right? But when you get the pie baking in front of God, now you got trouble. Now you can do the same thing with your Sunday school. You, you can get religious activity in there until you get so far away from God, it's not even having anything to do with God anymore. And this is called a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Now, do you catch it? Do you see it? You can do it in full gospel churches just the same as you can any other kind of church. In fact, some of the worst traditions and some of the coldest old dried up old hulls of a church, I've been in some full gospel churches. I mean it. Absolutely the truth. Isn't that right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Make a religion out of Pentecost. Make a religion out of these things rather than using the real thing. Even though even though it was real, even though every spirit-filled person in that place is filled with the real spirit of the living God. You've seen some of the most horrible religions made out of Pentecost that you, can, you just can't stand some of it. I don't know how people abide in some of that. Some of it is horrible and built around a Pentecostal background. I know some folks rather give up the Holy Ghost than they had their hair. Now, I'm not going to get meddling very deep, so you might as well just relax. We've got more to do than this. But I wanted you to see where the two operate. See? One of them is in the natural. And you'll notice that it always hangs up on something you can see, something you can feel, something you can taste, and counterfeits that world for the real world of the Spirit. And the Bible says the things that we can see are temporal. The things that are unseen are eternal, praise God. So there is a difference between the two. Now we're going to find out what they are. Now I want to show you that there is a difference. Right in this particular scripture, we can see it from the Greek text. Now I'm no Greek scholar. I wish I was. If I had a time, I might be. But I don't have time for that. So I take what other Greek scholars say. W.E. Vine, Dr. Young, these men that are accepted authority in the language of the Greek. And it says this. In verse 23, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Notice that's W-H-O-L-L-Y. I cannot express to you strongly enough that that's all one piece. I read that verse of Scripture for years and thought it was saying H-O-L-Y. So I didn't pay any attention to it. I was reading religiously. I just read the word and thought it was holy for years. Finally, one day I thought... Look at that. That's whole. All one piece. I pray, God, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. Well, then I got interested in what the rest of the verse said. And it startled me when I found out it said that He is faithful. Jesus Christ is faithful. He's called you. He'll also do it. He'll also do it. And it says, unto His coming. It didn't say after His coming. It said from here to it. 
He is sanctify you wholly, separate you all one piece, spirit and soul and body, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, then I saw right quick something's promised to me here. I believe I better get on it. I believe I'll receive this. Praise the Lord. And things been changing ever since. Now, that Greek text reads this way. I pray, God, your whole spirit is the word pneuma. Soul, the word suke. They're not any way near alike. It's two different words, altogether different. Suke, soulish. Body, soma. Three distinctly different areas. Now, we've talked about the spirit man. We've talked about walking in the spirit. We've talked about development of the recreated human spirit. Now I want to talk about this soulish part of a man. Remember this. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Now let me put this over in a little different way. Do you have a human? No. You are a human. Isn't that right? You are a human being. You don't have a human. You are a human. You are human. You have a body. Now your body is not your spirit, neither is it your soul. But without the Word of God, you will never be able to distinguish the difference between the two nor the three, particularly the area of the soul and the spirit man. You will never without the Word of God and you will never without the Holy Spirit be able to discern the spirit man. Spirit always means nothing. Always means something that doesn't exist. Something I can't see. Something I can't feel. Unreality. That's what spirit always means until the Holy Spirit Himself reveals to you the fact that spirit is more real than what you can see. It's more real than what you can feel. The spirit man is no less man. He's more man than the physical body because the body cannot live without the spirit man in there. But the spirit man can live without that body on him. He can live eternally forever in the presence of God himself if he's reborn. That's the part of a man that's recreated, reborn when he accepts Jesus Christ as the Lord of his life. Now, he has a soul. That soul is very important to God. It's it, it, inside the soul of a man lies his God-given likeness to God. God is a spirit. You are a spirit. But see, the angels are spirits. But do you know they're not like God? They're God's slaves. They weren't created higher than men. They were created lower than men. Now, mankind fell lower than the angels when he made himself subordinate to a fallen angel. But then the Bible says that Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, was raised above the angels. And the Bible says that when we're born again, we're made to sit with him and made joint heirs with him and heirs of God. See, we are elevated back into that position with God. Here, the family of God, a spirit being recreated. But now the reason that a man is in God's class, man is not in the angel class. He's not in the animal class. He's in God's class. And there is one thing that he has inside the makeup of his soul, and that is his will. His will, the decision-making apparatus in him. He has the right to decide his own destiny. He has the built-in God-given right to decide where he will spend eternity. He has the God-given right to decide whether he will live or die. You say, oh, yes, he does. 
God said in His Word in the book of Deuteronomy, He said, I call you to record this day before heaven and earth that I present and make available to you both life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose ye. Who do the choosing? You. Therefore, you choose life. The Apostle Paul said, I wot not, or I know not, <laughs> whether I should stay or whether I should go, for the die's great gain to be with Christ is far better. <laughs> but he said, because you folks, I'll stay. <clears throat> now, baby Christians don't talk like that. What we're talking about is grown-up stuff. This is not just number 286 and number 421, the doxology into the cafeteria just fast you can go. That's not what I'm talking about. This is not standing out in front of the church sanctuary smoking cigarettes, talking, you know, like saying, <laughs> every time I think about it, this always occurs to me and I'll, I'll share it with you. So I, I heard this in my spirit when I knew it's so humorous to me. I, I, I can't keep laughing about it yet. Because I've seen this sort of thing happen. There'd be two fellas, you know, standing out there in front of the church. And one of them said, oh, oh, what do you think about that talking in tongues? Another them said, my Lord, that's bound to be of the devil. Oh, well, you know, I heard the pastor's been doing that. You don't say. Maybe we ought to fire him. Run him off. We don't want that kind of thing going on in this church, do we? No, we wouldn't want to do anything of the devil. You got a light? I don't even want to hear that other junkie come on with anymore. Stand right out there on the church steps, you know. Like they said, some blind fella coming to church, he can always find it if you take his shoes off. See, he steps on those hot cigarette butts, this must be the place. One preacher said one time, hey, bless God, <laughs> said you have a duet and a sermonette and go out and smoke a cigarette. Well, maybe it's not quite that bad at your church, but it is in a lot of them, isn't it? You might as well say amen. It's a truth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, <laughs> oh boy. All right, I didn't need to get off on that, but I enjoyed it anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> the, the soul of a man includes his mind, his emotions, and his will. There is a strength put forth. The mental makeup of a man has a power in it that you don't find in any other creature. And it's called willpower. Now, the spirit man puts forth a spiritual force that's named faith. That's the name of that physical, I mean, that spiritual force. And it is actually the, the force of life itself. Life came from the faith of God, see. But now the physical man has a strength in him. He feeds on physical food and he has a strength or a power in him that's called strength. That's the name of it. That's the, what we've labeled it as strength. We have a spiritual force labeled faith that comes out of the spirit man when he feeds on spirit food, which is the Word of God. Now we have a physical force that's produced by the physical man when he eats physical food, and it's called strength. But now here we have something that departs from the ordinary that you cannot see animals do. You don't see them function in this. They do not have the force of willpower. They don't have it. They cannot exercise mentally. All they can do is parrot, imitate. They cannot originate. They cannot come forth with anything from the soul of that animal or the soulish part, of the suke part, the animal life in him. That's what that suke literally means, is animalistic life. That does not include decision-making authority. An animal cannot choose his destiny. He may be stubborn, but just stubbornness is not what I'm talking about. Just having his own physical will, but with no end to that will. 
And when a man exercises his intellect, he has a force that comes into action that is called willpower. And it works. It's a powerful force. You see a man that has no willpower, you can mark it down in your book. That is a man that has not developed his soul. He doesn't know how to handle his soul. He does not know how to control his soul. There's no spiritual power operating in him, if any, very little. And the main thing that is his problem and the reason his flesh is more important to him than his soul is because there's no willpower. And he may tell you, I don't have willpower enough to go on a diet. I don't have willpower enough to quit smoking. I don't have willpower enough to do it. You can mark it down right there. That man does not have any intellectual activity. Now, there's only one place that you can get intellectual activity that will do any more than just make your head tired. And that's the Word of God. The Word of God. For see, the Bible says the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword and will divide the difference between the soul and the spirit. Hallelujah. It'll divide it asunder. Now, you, you, can, you can develop your mind and develop your brain without ever developing your soul. You can have a man got a head that big and still doesn't have any willpower. Still doesn't have any spirit power or mental power about him. He's, he may have gone through a lot of mental gymnastics and can quote a lot of stuff to you, but it, it doesn't mean anything when it comes to the power in his life. There's no power coming from it. I've met men that could quote the Scripture and still didn't know God. Knew nothing about God. Just a lot of mental gymnastics, see. The mind, the will, the emotions. Now let's talk about this. Let's talk about this, this thing that God has done for us. This thing He has given us. The will and the mind, they're so closely programmed together. One of them operates, the other one does too. The mind itself. Actually, the mind encompasses the will but because it's all involved in the soul. And the emotions of the man are directly connected to whatever he does in his mind and in his will life. Now, you can change your emotional structure. My emotional structure over the past six years has been completely revamped, completely changed. You can get very emotional over a man that is sick and dying of an incurable disease. And the force of sympathy can flood from your emotions and you would say, my God, I wish there was something I could do. But now when you begin to be a spiritual adult, you begin to learn the Word of God and your mind has been reprogrammed. That computer has been reprogrammed by the Word of God, which is what we're fixing to look into. When that has been reprogrammed and your intellectual man is putting forth some power and is able to assist the inner man, I'm not, I don't get very emotional over that. You know why? I have learned how to do something about it. I'm, I'm not very sympathetic over it. I'm not very sympathetic over the fact that Jerry's got on black shoes. I don't mean anything to me. All I'd have to do to get that change is say, Jerry, don't wear the dumb looking shoes no more. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that about your shoes. They're good looking shoes. What size are they? <laughs> he said they're too little. Well, you can buy me something like them. Praise the Lord. Are you following what I'm saying to you? I don't get very emotional over that. But now if I figured, you know, that those black shoes are going to kill Jerry. And he don't know it. And there's nothing I can do about it. Now my emotions are all in frenzied and sympathy comes to the surface. And I, people get all disturbed about people that are sick. And I get disturbed about it too. But my emotions don't run away with me. They don't respond to that anymore. My spirit man responds to it instead of just my emotions. And instead of responding with sympathy, that is a mental force and has no power in it whatsoever. It's an, it's an emotional thing almost altogether. Sympathy says, oh, I wish there was something to do. But compassion says, get out of the way, praise God. We're fixing the prayer. 
Now I get emotional over that. <laughs> and my emotions are not one of sadness nor of contriteness, but my emotions are of joy and happy thrill because I know the person that can handle that situation and just doesn't disturb me like it used to. Used to politicians used to disturb me worse than anything in the world. I, I just didn't look at me like we had a chance. But you know, they don't bother me anymore. I started praying for them. <laughs> and I'm not operating in the world of, of sympathy, doubt, or any other emotional drive within me. I am at peace within me. My emotions are lying still in that area because I know what God's Word said about it and my mind is responding that way and my spirit is responding that way. Consequently, God is responding that way. I could care less. I roll the care of it over on Him. Not my care anymore. Can you see that? That is what opens the soulish man to the peace that passes all understanding. And when everybody else is... <laughs> the man that has, is developed in this stands quietly, peaceably, but in faith. You can't touch him. You can't figure him out. Satan can't get anywhere with him. Politics can't get anywhere with him. He's always the fly in the ointment of the, of the uh, designs and schemes of men because he makes his own decisions and he's not moved by what they do or what they say or how they say it. He moves according to what God says and how he operates and is not moved from it and you can kill him and do him a favor. Now, the communistic countries... I talked to a, a doctor... At, uh, that was an escaped man. He'd escaped from Hungary. And he said he was involved in that situation over there. He, he's a lawyer and a doctor and several other things. Quite, an, quite a highly uh, developed man intellectually. And not only that, but he's a developed man spiritually. He's born again filled with the Holy Spirit of God. God got him out of there. And he said one thing that they had stated in the political circles of communism was the only thing that had arisen since the revolution back in the early 1900s that they could not handle was those tongue-talking Christians. They couldn't handle them. You can't scare them. You can't figure them out. Kill them and it breeds. You know. <laughs> what do you do with them? They didn't know what to do with them. And so, right today, it's not against the law over there to go to church, but if you get a two-year jail sentence for talking in tongues. Now that right there ought, ought to tell some of you something. Hallelujah. Amen? Why, certainly, even that communistic regime can tell where the power is. Praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about reprogramming this computer, this thing that's called the soul. Let's turn over to the book of Romans. I want to show you something there about this. Twelfth chapter of Romans. Go ahead and look that up and also be looking up the uh, book of Colossians. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Don't kill it and then present it. Present it to God alive. A living sacrifice. Holy. Now this one is H-O-L-Y. <laughs> Holy. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, that's the least you can do is present your body to God as a sacrifice. And be not conformed to this world. Now, what's he talking about when he says, don't be conformed to this world? Being conformed to this world is being led and dominated and motivated by the way the world operates its systems. Now, the world has a financial system. The world has a, what we would term as a spirit system 
It's no, long, it's no more a spirit than counterfeit money is, is the real thing. It's counterfeit, but it has its spiritual system. It has a medical system. In other words, it has a system that deals with the body. It has physical programs and systems. He says, don't be conformed. Now, what does it mean to be conformed? He, conformity is different even than being subject to. In other words, to be conformed with God. Being one in Him is a greater and much more higher life than just being subject to God. A man that is conformed to Him. The Bible said we're predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. This is being molded into the likeness of the world system and having to operate totally in it. And I tell you right frankly, I feel sorry for some of you boys right now that, that I preach to along about 1967 and 68, along in there. And I told you that God had a financial system where you didn't have to borrow money. And some of you guys kind of laughed at me. And we went ahead and learned how to operate on that system. And now we operate on it proficiently, thank God. And the primary interest rate, according to one fellow today, one of the men in the banking industry today, told me over the telephone that prime interest today went to 10%. Now if prime's 10, what do you figure you're going to have to give for it? If Wells Fargo and the Federal Savings Loan people, if they have to buy their money at 10% interest, what you reckon it's going to be when it gets down to you? And if you're conformed to that system, you're stuck with it and you can't pay it and make it work. But we came along here and learned how to operate on God's system that says you shall lend to many and not borrow. I don't care if it goes to 110%. As far as my own personal part of it's concerned, don't affect me any. I don't owe any. And what's more, not going to. Don't have to and operate better on it. I didn't say it was easy. And I didn't say that it, was, that it came overnight. It came just exactly like this second verse says. Be not conformed. Be not, be not molded into that system. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that perfect will of God. That you can prove it, praise God. You can put it into motion and operate it if you'll renew your mind to that. Now in order to get it, the first thing I had to do was receive the fact that God's Word was true and that it would work. I didn't understand why it would work or how it would work, but I had to accept by faith that it would work and that it would work better than what the world's working right now. Now I didn't understand it. In fact, it just nearly blew my head to have to try to read it and find out about it. But I made a decision one day and I said, Lord, I am having my mind renewed from this day forward concerning financial operation, concerning the ways of operating financially. I could see in the Word of God where old Solomon wasn't working in the world system. He worked the world system. He made it obeyed. And the world brought their finances at his feet. How did he do it? With the wisdom of God. He was not conformed to it. He didn't care what they said or what they did. He changed what they said and what they did. See, people operating under the power of God are not conformed to the world. They change the world with their faith. Why? Because God backs it. And what I had to start doing, you see, was putting myself in the hands of the Holy Spirit and begin to reprogram this mind. It would tell me you can't operate without borrowing money. It would tell me you can't function in that ministry without putting pressure on the people and make them give. They won't give unless you do. That's what my head said. But you know what God's Word said? Something totally, absolutely, 180 degrees reversed from that. Something totally opposite from that. It said, give, and it will be given unto you again. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. It didn't say it worked sometime. It said, bless God, it would. It didn't say it worked for preachers. I know preachers all over the world it isn't working for. Amen? 
Are you following what I'm saying to you? See, God didn't even mention all that other stuff that my head was flowing around about. The world, sister, God didn't even say anything about that. The world says, how are we going to get it? God said, give. That's totally reverse of the way the world says to do it. And my head said, you can't. My heart said, yes, you can, and you're going to accept it. My heart kept telling my head, shut up and listen. And I'd be preaching sometimes. I'd be going along here, you know, and I'll hear something come out of my mouth. And I'll say, now here's what caused it to work. And I'll think, well, I wonder what's coming next. I don't know what caused it to work. And I'll be just as excited as everybody in there to hear what caused it to work. <laughs> because, see, it came out of my heart. My spirit man knows the systems of God. He's been born of God. Not only that, but the Holy Ghost is in there teaching him, training him, and intercessing for him, and, and ministering to that inner man. And if you allow these things to come forth, it'll program that computer for you. That's right. The Bible said when a man prays in unknown tongue, let him also pray that he interpret. Then say, let him pray that he be an interpreter. It said, when he prays in tongues, his mind is unfruitful. Therefore, when he prays in tongues, let him pray also that he interprets. So your ding-a-ling head won't continue to be unfruitful. Are you following what I'm saying to you? Well, yeah, I've been praying along in the Spirit like that. I tell you, uh, people, it is so disturbing to me to hear people say, I don't see any use in praying in the Spirit. You just told me how dumb you are. You just told me how little your mind is informed. You just told me how little you know about the operation of God. Not the operation of tongues. I'm talking about the operations of God. You told me how little your computer is, is programmed to the heavens above and how much you are conformed to the earth when you tell me that you don't see any use in praying in tongues. Because the Bible says very clearly, when a man prays in tongues, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries unto God. Divine, hidden secrets. That's what the, the Greek text says. Divinely hidden secrets, praise God. You dig them up out of there. Get them forth into the atmosphere. The Holy Spirit reveals to you what they are, and you plug them in your computer. You don't go around being a dummy all your life. Well, when I got into this thing, you talk about somebody dumb. I had hurt my mental man with trash. I tell you, I never was so glad that of anything that I got saved, filled with the Spirit, and began to reprogram this computer before they allowed these dirty movies and dirty magazines to get on the market. Because, man, I want you to know that was all I could think about. And I was, see, I was demon-possessed at one time. I'm not talking about just being an uh, evil spirit kind of playing with me. I'm talking about being possessed. Before I got saved, I was demon-possessed. If you don't believe that, you ask my mama. She can tell you. And she knows <laughs> the difference. That madman of Gadara didn't have a thing in the world on me. I'd go days without sleep. I'd lay awake in the middle of the night and lay there and gnaw on the corner of my pillowcase and chew holes in my bedclothes and chew my fingernails until my fingernails bled and the blood would run down my cheek and I'd wipe it out and still couldn't keep my fingers out of my mouth. And I'd go to the bowling alley and bowl in an all-night bowling alley until I was so exhausted that I'd nearly fall on my face and then go lay down in the bed and go to sleep and sleep for an hour or two and get up and then go all day long wondering how in the world I'm ever going to make it till dark. I know what I'm talking about. And my mind was so crippled and so damaged with filth and trash. My computer was so jammed up on that stuff that I'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking things like that. I'd, I, there was times I got so overcome by it. There was one time I got so overcome by it in my, own, in my mother's own home that I stood there and threatened seeing my dad. And standing there all the time doing that and wondering what in the world's causing me to do such a dumb, stupid thing as that and couldn't quit it, couldn't stop it. And then after I got saved, God was gracious and kind enough to baptize me in His Spirit. Don't you think I'm going to back off from using the weapons that are not carnal 
he delivered me and me not even knowing anything about deliverance. He made me free one Sunday afternoon about one o'clock in my little house right here in this town. Set me free from that driving, tormenting, suicidal, demonic, bastardly thing that was residing in my flesh and controlling my mind. Thank God I came out of there free, man. I'm free right now. Oh, let me tell you, I am free from the end of my fingers right out to the ends of the, my hair roots. <laughs> I'll tell you, when the sun has set you free, you're free indeed. But it didn't just come and just fall on me like ripe cherries off a tree. And it won't you either. Praise the Lord. That there came a time when I had to start reprogramming that computer and jam the Word of God in there. And I jammed it in there and jammed it in there and jammed it in there till the thing had quit. Wouldn't operate. It quit me. My head had quit me. I'd read the Word and listen to the Word and I was studying. I'd gone back to school and I was studying and my head had quit me. It wouldn't function. My thing would just lock up on me and stop. And I'd stop and pray in the Spirit here a little while and I could feel it when it when it'd come undone. All it ever had in there was ugly words and ugly thoughts. And here it's getting purged by the Word of God. By God's Word, you see. And, and the, uh, the things that God was telling me to study and the things God was having me to do. And I found out that I could pray with other tongues for about 30, 40 minutes, sometimes maybe an hour, and it had quit and it would work again for about 45 more minutes before it would jam up. And when, it, when my head would lock on me like that, people say, you're saturated. I wasn't saturated. My computer broke down. How could you saturate a fellow with, uh, with, you know, 30, 40 minutes of something out of the Word of God? That's silly. My head would jam up. Well, I had to look at my Social Security number to tell you what my name was. It's terrible. I mean, if somebody come in and ask me my name, it would been hard for me to tell you. But I get up and pray in the Spirit, begin to function that way, and got to where I could go an hour without it locking up on me. Got to where I could go an hour and a half without it locking up on me. Then I got to where I was praying. <laughs> I got to where I was praying in the Spirit about an hour and then working about an hour. And then I'd pray in the Spirit about an hour and it got to where I could pray in the Spirit about an hour and work two. And then it got to where I could pray in the Spirit about an hour, hour and a half, and then work nearly all night. And it got to where I wasn't getting tired physically and I could do my job and it got to where I finally wound up with five jobs. Five jobs. I was going to school full time, flying co-pilot for Brother Roberts. When we got there, I became his driver, drove his car, saw to his personal appointments after we got there, was operating and, and in charge of the invalid room in there and then in charge of, of uh, part of the time I was in charge of all the rent cars for that whole team. And I had to pull all the luggage in and out. I remember when we were in Detroit, Michigan. Mom and Daddy were there. They, they were involved in some of this. And they can tell you exactly what we were faced with. On Sunday afternoon, the last service, there were so many people that hadn't been prayed for. The building had over 15,000 people in there. And there was 2,500 people lined up in the prayer line. And here they came, just as fast as Brother Roberts could lay hands on them, and he finally fell over on his back. And just as he was falling, he grabbed me by the collar and shoved me up there. And I started laying hands on them. I don't know how many I laid hands on that afternoon. I have no way of telling you. The power of God fell on that place. I want you to know that everybody in that crowd had the power of God on them like a blanket. Man, it was something up. But now you listen to what can happen in these kind of situations. My mother came up there behind me and put her hand in my back and began to pray in other tongues. She began to pray in the Spirit. See, she bypassed the soulish man. She bypassed the intellect. And her spirit man, the Bible said, my spirit within me prayeth. She began to pray that way. Boy, we prayed. Bless God. God, I never saw so many people in all my life. And one blind woman got about three, about 15 steps down the line and up went that red-tipped cane. And I heard her scream. She sounded like somebody had hit her in the head. And that cane went sailing up like that. She said, I can see, I can see, I can see. We got through in that place that afternoon. 
I put Brother Roberts and his wife in the car. We got, uh, he had somebody else driving. They were ready to go. They lit out. We got in the car, drove out to the airport. I loaded the luggage on that airplane, which was a little over 2,000 pounds of stuff, and got it all in there, right? Filed an IFR flight plan with the government, checked the weather, put up all five rent cars, got back out there. Bob was sitting in the left seat of the airplane and was tired, so I fired up, taxied out, took the clearance, took off, flew the thing from Detroit to Tulsa, got on the ground, unloaded the luggage, put it in the cars, put Brother Roberts in his luggage and his wife in his car, and sent it home, got my own bags, got in my own car, went to my own house and talked to my wife till 2.30 in the morning and passed out. <laughs> I want you to know we're talking about superhuman things when you get to dealing in the things of the Spirit of God. But I'll tell you there had to come a time for days before that, weeks before that, hour after hour after hour, I had to dig in God's Word and by my faith make up my mind and make some concrete quality decisions that I was not going to be a weakling, spirit, soul, or body ever again as long as I live. I'd rather leave this earth and go on to heaven than I had to live this thing in some Mickey Mouse backyard kind of a back alley sort of a way. I don't want it. I've had all that I want. I did that operating for the devil. And I'll tell you, this is a better thing than that. Get that head programmed with the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, he said there that you'll prove the perfect will of God. Prove it. How do you prove it? By acting on it and the results will come. Praise God. You can prove it's the will of God. Says Somebody said, how do I? No, it's the will of God to heal. I'm not asking that question. I've proven it. I'm healed. I'm healed. But there came a time when I had to program this computer. Jesus bore my sicknesses and he carried my diseases. And from this day forward, head, you listen to what I'm saying. From this day forward, you will never argue again. You will never come against the blood of Jesus and do spite to the Spirit of grace again. You will never utter out your mouth words of doubt and unbelief again because this day, this is the day I'm programming my soulish man. My will is in that way. My emotions are in that way. And my mind is programmed with His Word. And His Word is first place. And it says Himself bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. And by His stripes we are healed. And don't you ever argue with me again. And every time it would start kind of trip on me, you know, and say, well, maybe not this time. I'd say, bless God, you heard what I told you. And I wouldn't let my head go on through with it. And I quoted, my God shall meet my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't know how many thousands of times until my head finally decided this must be so. <laughs> now, this is absolutely the truth. I'll show you just a, a, a little trick here. Praise the Lord. Jerry, start counting from one to zero to yourself. All right, out loud, tell me your name. What happened to your counting? Your head had to stop and see what your mouth had to say. <laughs> and every time your old head begins to trip and tilt and throw something at you that's not of the Word of God. 2 Corinthians, the, the, the 10th chapter and the 3rd and the 4th and the 5th and the 6th verses says... The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're powerful through God for the pulling down of strongholds, bringing into captivity. <laughs> Casting down every imagination. Casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And every time my head would say something that was disobedient to healing or disobedient to my every need being met, my head would say, we can't see the money. We can't see the healing. I'd say, I didn't tell you to look for it. I just told you to remember it. And my, I'd stop and I'd say, His Word says, and I'd start quoting it out loud. And my head would have to stop and see what my mouth had to say. You can't do both. There's no way. There's only one way you can talk. At the same time, and let's do it with other tongues. Even then, your head will finally shut up. 
and listen. And your head says, I don't understand that. And you can just stop and say, nobody asked you to. (laughs) Not praying to you. (laughs) So just hush. Don't cause any more trouble. My needs are met, thank God. Finally, my head said, you know, that must be right. That must be so. Looks like that's what he's going to do. And now, if anybody says anything like poverty, my head goes, ling, 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 ling. Boy, it just goes off like a bell. We're not going to have that. Woo, no, we don't have that. It'll immediately try everything it hears. It's the finest thing you ever saw. And you get your head renewed, your mind renewed. Then the transforming begins. You begin to walk in the Spirit instead of in the natural world. Glory to God. Let's stand on our feet. We'll take this up here tomorrow afternoon. We, I just barely got this thing introduced. We'll take it up tomorrow afternoon. We'll get into the goodies. Praise the Lord. We get into the area that all of the spiritualists and the mind control cats would love to get into. They can see that it's available and they can get over into the edge of it. But you see, when they go out there and get digging around over in that mental man, you get digging around out in there, brother, I want you to know you're in some pretty tall cotton. There's some pretty astounding things goes on inside the mind of the human being. And you get to messing in there very deep. Then you go to dealing with the one that keeps the mind blind, the Bible said. And you just don't get very far. But we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, and we have the mind of Christ, and it is not limited. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible said, hid in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Glory to God. Glory to God. What's it like? What's it like? To walk in an area where your mind isn't giving you trouble but is supporting your faith. I can tell you, we're just now beginning to reach into that area in our lives. There's a way a long way from, from where what is available. But thank God we're so much ahead of anything I ever been before. I sure don't want to quit now. Man, you begin to walk in an area where you don't Uh, You don't, it doesn't seem like you have to stop and think about it to exercise your faith. You're exercising that faith and the just shall live by it. You begin to live by it. You begin to operate it on a round-the-clock type of basis. And you know what that is? It's fellowship with God. You begin to hear the voice of God. You begin to see what God wants done like Jesus did. He said, I don't do anything that I see my Father doing. Well, you get to be led by the head of the church himself, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I'll show you what to do. I'll never leave you nor forsake you even to the end of the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. You begin to see and operate and your head not giving you any trouble anymore. It just falls in with it. And if your old body goes to try to give any trouble, your head will reprimand it. Say, so, no, we don't act like that anymore. That's part of the old man. That's through, we've been reprogrammed. Now, if you want to get my head in a dither, Get my, my computer really screaming and hollering. And all, every, I mean, every ounce of the thing just going wide open. Go to talking unbelief, doubt, and fear. Boy, my computer goes tilt right quick. It will not receive it. It will not have it. It doesn't want it. It's been reprogrammed. And it seems like now faith words fall out my mouth. They fall out my mouth. Like that other stuff used to. Oh, people. What do you suppose is available in the Word of God for people that'll dare decide to find out?
Hallelujah. We dared to find out what was in physical law, and we worked our way all the way to the moon, gave our lives to find out what physics and its laws were made out of. And we found in there a power, thermonuclear power, the most powerful thing the physical world has to offer that we know anything about. And probably at this stage of the game, I would, I would not hesitate to say, is the most powerful thing in this whole physical makeup. But let me tell you, Jesus said as much faith as a grain of mustard seed would blow a mountain into the ocean. What do you suppose a pitcher full of that would do? What do you suppose a milk bucket full of it would do? What do you suppose a train load of it would do? I tell you what it'd do, it'll create a universe. Just by saying, let there be light! Man, that's what it did. That's what it did, the same faith. But you see, the Bible said God did it through two things, wisdom and understanding. He knew how to use it. He knew how to let it go. He knew how to handle it. And he let the whole wad go at one time. And then he filled you with it. One thing I can hardly wait to watch him do is make some more worlds. I want to have, I'm just going to make a request of that one of these days, I believe, when we get over on the other side and we get into the millennial reign of Christ or later. It says in the ages to come, he'll show us the exceeding riches of his grace. And one of the exceeding riches of his grace, I want to see him make a planet. Boy, and just set that dude in motion and watch her go. And then say, my daddy did that. My father did that. And then what I want to hear him say is, okay, son, you try it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know, here we go. It may not be no bigger than me, me but I'm going to give it a whirl. I'll tell you that. Praise God. Yeah, mm. I tell you, this is the way you kind of get to thinking this way when you get to digging around in God's Word and you begin to see the limitless and the vast horizons that he's made available to a man that will walk himself underneath that shed blood and get under his name and call upon him and dare allow him to have access to his makeup that God created in his own likeness. It'll work. It'll work, praise God. What do you suppose is available? Or well, the first thing that's available is mighty revival all over the world. And we're in it, praise God. Allow God to renew our minds. Father, we pray. I'm asking for a miracle of the renewing of the minds of every man, woman, and child in this place tonight. Start us on your miracle by your grace. Move on our minds. Push out of there with your supernatural power. Doubt and unbelief that's been stored up in there by the devil and by years of of life in this world being conformed to it. Right now we present our bodies as a sacrifice and we receive a renewed mind, even the spirit of our minds, even our mental attitudes to be renewed into a winning attitude. Hallelujah. Instead of a defeated attitude, give us a glimpse of the mighty power that is available to men that will renew their mind and begin to operate like the God that's within us. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, saith the Lord. You have finally noticed, have you? You have finally seen, have you? What I have been saying to you by my Spirit since the day of Pentecost that I will share all that is mine with you. I said, when the Spirit of truth is come, He will take all that is mine and show it unto you. I said, all that the Father has is mine, and I say again, He will take all that's mine and show it unto you. 
Put your affection on the things that are above, saith the Lord. I'll show them to you. I'll reveal them to you. But I cannot do it if you will not take the time and spend that time listening to me. I cannot do it. I cannot. I have waited on many of you hours upon hours upon untold hours. My spirit has been instructed to give you revelation knowledge and to let you know the answers to your problems. But you spent your time doing other things. You spent that time doing this and doing that. Trivial things, some important. Not many, but some. And you did things even that were against my word. But I would have forgiven you of that, saith the Lord. Still, I have a difficult time ever getting any knowledge to you if you spend all your time functioning at something else, doing something else. You watch so much television. You talk to one another so much. You do all of these things and not even give me a small portion of your time, saith the Lord. I can give you more than ten minutes than all the men on earth all together could give you in a lifetime. My spirit has been instructed to share with you heaven's bounty. All that I have, I will show it unto you. This is my promise to you. I can do no more than promise until you come to that day that you will begin to follow my spirit and accept what I have said is so and say, I receive, Lord, fill me to overflowing with the wisdom of God and flood me with it and my spirit will do so, saith the Lord. That's what the Lord's saying about it. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, I judge myself of that negligence and not spending time with you and I repent of it in the name of Jesus. It'll be different from that from here on in the name of Jesus for me and my household. Praise the Lord. And I thank you and I praise your name. Oh, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and begin to praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord in this. Let's praise Him in this. Let's praise Him in this. Hallelujah.